All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Head on his You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Steals, cutting in, shoots, Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Harmon Dial. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it easy there, young buck. It's pretty good. We told him to bring some yeah, uh, enthusiasm he and it. he brought it there. He did it. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is David Quadrelli. I'm Joyce. Joined as always, man. Harmon did it better. Harman I did, did it better. better. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm joined by Chris Fabier. And of course, Harmon Dial, the newest signing. Of the Canucks Conversation Podcast. We are brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, $5 off your order, free shipping anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. And we are delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code ConvoDD, capital C, capital D's, ConvoDD on your first order at DoorDash, 25% off and free delivery. Does not get much better than that, folks. Chris, how excited are we to have Harmon? Uh, very excited, but I don't think he's officially going to be like a co-host of the show until he mispronounces his own last name. Yes, it's a, it's your initiation. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe Harmon will close out an episode and say Dial or something. You know, something, it'll happen. Something it, like that. Hundred percent. It it always happens, and especially with me. Um, with my last name too. Um, it's funny because I'll I'll have people telling me like 
that's not the like proper way to pronounce it. You know, like <laughs> oh jeez, like like Indian people. I mean, like relatives yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And I'm just like honestly, I don't know. But I've just been called like people just pronounce it dial the my entire life. Right. So it's become what I like. It's what I'm accustomed to, and and I've never thought of. I'm gonna correct everyone. <laughs> it's just what it is for me now. But how's it supposed to be pronounced? I I don't. I, I think Dal. Something like that, something along those lines. I mean, I don't know. My parents will tell me once in a while, but like they don't really care either. Um, And I mean, I think the 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 first like eighty percent of people say it the former way, and like it became such a big, such a ubiquitous thing that I just like in in my own brain it became ingrained that way. I don't think there's a right or wrong to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's the last name. It's the last name. Yeah, pronounced one way. That's the way it's gonna be in the end. Yeah, tomato tomato, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, like you said, super excited to get Harmon here. He's gonna be in here twice a month on the Saturday shows. Uh, So every second Saturday show he'll be here, Uh, and also maybe some some extra stuff filling in if one of us uh, isn't able to make it and Harmon can fill in. So we'll we'll kind of figure that out as we go. But uh, I don't think we're gonna be taking any time off soon because training camp is just around the corner and. I was saying it on the Patreon. It's been a grind, man. I I appreciate all the people that have been listening. Like I think we had a good jump in the off season from the draft episodes, and I think yeah. that's just when we put out kind of the best content of ours in the off season. But you know, we we've been spending a lot, like you know, a lot of episodes talking the first ten minutes, no hockey, kind of just BSing around quite a bit. And uh, I appreciate everyone that's like stuck around and listened throughout the summer because our numbers have continued to grow throughout the summer. Uh, I think adding harm is just going to add to that as well. We're excited for the new listeners that uh, Harmon's going to bring on as well. But uh, it was fun uh, doing our little promotional video uh, okay. out at uh, Castle Fun Park in Abbotsford. I mean, we've heard about you know all these all these players of the Canucks sign being excited to be in Abbotsford. And yesterday, us three got to find out why. Because Castle Fun Park, two thumbs up for me for sure. Yeah, it's great. It, it was fun going there. So for those that don't know, we had so we we found out we were signing Harmon like Wednesday night. You texted me, yeah. and I like instantly texted Faber like, "Hey, Harmon signing. We're done." And he was like, "What? What? Like it was it was crazy." We were negotiations were were going on for a while because I brought yeah. it up with Harm. I think last time he was in studio, we kind of just. Chit chatting on the way, not as long as the Patterson and Hughes uh, conversation. We'll get into yeah. that later, but much yeah, easier it was, negotiations. It I think was. <laughs> we came in with an offer and it was accepted right yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah Harbin might need better agents, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was fun out there, Castle Farm. I had a good time. Yeah, it was fun, and we uh, literally went into that. And Harmon, I texted you, and I was just like, "Hey." Send me a picture where you're not smiling, like a selfie of yourself where you're not smiling. Because the only thing that we knew we wanted to do, the only thing we planned for that promotional video was that there was going to be a bench warmers reference in there. So I just like randomly texted you and that was that was our video. Yeah. And for me, I hadn't watched bench warmers before. So I just quad sent me the the meme of I'm 12 and I was like, I really don't understand this, but I'm sure they've got this scripted out and they have a great idea for this. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm in 110%. And it turns out like we, we had the, um, we had we had the photo done and the I am twelve portion and we we had like the batting cage idea and then that was about it. We really didn't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how to fill in the blanks and it was kind of on the fly. But you know what? The um, very amateur production level was definitely part of the charm and yeah. like it's one of those where it's like it you know those comedy movies that are so bad that they're kind of good. Yeah, it Absolutely. was like you this video was so bad that it was it was. It had a charm to it, and and it was funny. Yeah, it had the Napoleon Dynamite feel to it. Like, yes. kind of. That's that's what I was. Go- that's what we were going for. But it was funny because it's like our whole plan was like to get the picture, and then for some reason it's like you know it's a good idea. Let's take two hours out of our day to drive to Abbotsford <laughs> as well. I two know. hours of pretty much just driving, and oh. you know, especially with an accident on the road that we luckily avoided. But great co-piloting know, by me. I don't know about that. Uh, so. We avoided the accident. Yeah, I mean, you made a quick, you made a good decision yeah, that time. That's right. It definitely boosts like what your level of co-piloting has been in the past, but <laughs> it's still not good. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up was, so you you text me, I'm at BCIT my first day in class on Thursday, 
And you're like, hey, can you print off this picture? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I probably could have, but I just didn't want to. Oh, and man. I didn't want to go into the library. So you have to go, go into you go, go into a yeah. UPS. I'll let so you take it from here. I go to the UPS store because I'm like, they do printing there. So I walk in and this, this woman, like super, super nice woman. She was like 50 something. She was just sitting there. You know, I guess not a lot of people go to the UPS store. So I go in. She's just sitting on her phone. And I was like, hey, uh, I, I need this photo printed. And she like kind of looks at me and then. I was like, yeah, yeah, like it, it's tough to explain. And then I showed her the bench warmers picture. I'm like, I need it to look like this on a piece of paper. And she's like, yeah, okay. So she told me where to email it. So I sent it to her. And then she was like, why do you need this? I was like, honestly, it's like super hard to explain. I was just like, I just, I just need it. Like it, I'm just recreating this. And she's like, oh, okay. She's kind of looking at me weird. And then as soon as I get out of the UPS store, which is all glass, like she could see us. Harmon comes out of his car and I like fist bump him and then we just keep walking past the store. Oh, it was hilarious because right up until I left, she was like so confused why I needed this one thing printed because usually they, they get stuff printed in bulk and I was just like, I just need one piece of paper with this guy's picture on it. Like random brown guy. Wanted poster. I mean, just like even the way that it's like you asked for it to be like printed. Like, I need it. Like, I wonder if she got the reference because Harmon. No, obviously no chance. No chance. So? No, no. She Benchwarmers, I think, is a movie that a lot of people have seen. Though I'm, I'm yeah. kind of surprised you never seen Benchwarmers, Harm. Like, to be honest, it felt like a comedy, and you guys would have been younger at the age. I feel like it was a yeah. kids' comedy, but we uh, we also listened back and heard some of the words that they were using in that. Can't believe that was a kids' movie back. Yeah. Then. Yeah, yeah. So times be changing. You said it was what 2004? 2003, 2004, something like that. So that's that's a long one ago. You know what? Uh, I bring this movie up a lot. Uh, Seven Days in Hell. It, I still think it's the most underrated movie out there. It's an Andy Samberg movie. I think it's the most underrated sports like comedy I think ever made. It's about a tennis match that takes place over seven days. It's got the main character is Andy Samberg, and then the other main character is. Uh, Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, and it's a comedy, and people need to watch it. It's on Amazon. I'm telling you right now, Seven Days in Hell, you will not regret it. It's only like an hour-long movie. It's like a mockumentary about a tennis game that goes on for seven days. Absolutely hilarious. Just want to get that plug in there, because people will appreciate that. Is Jon Snow the Kit Harington? Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I watched one season of Game of Thrones. I've seen the first two seasons and the last two seasons. I haven't seen anything in between, but like, I appreciate... What Game of Thrones is all about, but also like all that stuff in the middle that like everything that happened. Yeah, I have no idea. No, I know how it ends. I know how it starts. Yeah, exactly. Me too. I, I know how it ends. I watched the first season. They killed that guy. I hope I'm not putting any spoilers out. It, um, by now, people should be. killed that guy. Doesn't give away a ton, but yeah, uh, they killed a lot of guys. In they did show. kill a lot of guys. You know yeah. what? I'm really excited to watch on Amazon. What? The Leafs documentary. Yes, all or nothing. That too. <laughs> That's going to be good too. Oh man! So, do you know anything about that? Like, what's the what's the premise of it? Is it's, it just going to be like we got swept in the first round? No, again? I think it's kind of like you know how they would have those uh, HBO would do those like Winter Classic where it'd be oh, like yeah, behind yeah, the scenes yeah. and like um, locker room. Basically, the Amazon or whoever directed it kind of they just followed the team around the entire season. Um, and I presume including the playoffs. And I guess they expected that, hey, this is a pretty good Leafs team. They might, <laughs> you know, do something. But I guess now we'll have a documentary of them blowing a 3-1 series lead in the first round. That's oh. what people want, though. Like, uh, Toronto would have loved for them, like, to, to make that series be about... Even, like, getting to, like, the Stanley Cup Finals or something would have been good for them. But everybody else in the hockey world is going to appreciate watching, like, the behind-the-scenes yeah. of them. I, I bet that'll get more more views because 100%. people are like, yeah. I want to see what they came up with yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we got uh, we got Harmon here in studio. Let's get into some Canucks talk anyways. I think the biggest story of the week has been people getting a chance to see Vasily Colson on the ice. Um, I guess we'll kind of start with you, Harm, right off the bat. Um, not a lot of video out there, but we've seen you know a few clips of it. We've heard from other reporters who have been at the practice as well. Um, initial thoughts of him, you know, in a Canucks jersey for the first time that we've kind of seen that. Yeah, I saw Woodley post that uh, video of him going through that drill and ripping it. Uh, I think top top right corner over Martin Jones's glove. So that's, a, I mean, that's a good sign because obviously only a drill, but I think the shot is one element. Like if there's one part of his game that you'd like to see him improve, it's definitely the finishing ability, and I think that's one part of his game that. Has kind of been, um, you know, the finishing has has been very hit or miss throughout the last, I think, year, year and a half, where you'll see him create a ton of chances, and he's just like the scoring chance generating machine. 
but a lot of times, and especially I think this was evident at the World Juniors, it wouldn't necessarily translate to um, heavy point production outside of some of these international tournaments. And uh, a big a big part of it was because his teammates seemed to miss all these great A chances. Oh, the World mm-hmm. Juniors was so bad. It was that, right? yeah, and then but the other element was that he he. I, didn't really have a great shot, I think. And he wouldn't even like, I, I think he could stand to use it more is what one scout told me, um, who kind of followed pod Colson pretty closely. And so, I mean, that's, that's a good sign to see. And I think it's just good for him to, to, to get in early. And, you know, even before, you know, camp opens up to get to see some of his teammates touch North American yeah. ice, you know, it'll, it'll be good for him. Yeah. And I think something that I want to kind of just bridge off of that was that, you know, Last year when we saw Niels Huglander come in, he went from playing in the third le- third line in the SHL, come over here, play with a lot better line mates, right? And we saw that, obviously, the World Juniors and a lot of finishing ability from his line mates at the time. That's that's one of the things that I'm almost most excited for with Pod Coles, and it's also one of the things that make me lean towards seeing Pod Colson on the second line with Horvat and potentially Garland. I mean, he's got some more size than the other guys that are going to be battling with, even, you know, probably bigger than Tanner Pearson as well. Maybe not weight-wise, but, you know, height-wise, I think he's going to be a little bit taller and just a bigger body to play with him. I really like the idea of Pod Colson getting an opportunity, at least, with Horvat and Garland at some point. And I'm, I'm wondering if Green might even start the season out with that because I don't think like a month or two ago, even thinking about that, it kind of sounded out of the box to think that Pod Colson could start in the top six. But I'm not saying one week of seeing him at practice is going to change anything, but obviously a lot of very positive reviews from guys like Horvat. It wouldn't shock me at all to see Pod Colson definitely get a run, you know, even in some of these preseason games with a Horvat and Garland. Yeah, I think he'll get a chance. And I think that was true even before he, he arrived in Vancouver. And it's going to be really interesting for me to see how his offensive game kind of translates because when you look at the kind of role that he was playing for Scott, I mean, I had a KHL executive tell me for another team that he felt bad for Pod Colson because a lot of times he'd be playing this in, in this kind of bottom six situation and he it was like it, it was as if he had to play mistake free hockey where he makes one turnover he loses the puck he tries something offensively that doesn't work and he knows he's getting stapled to the bench and so that kind of forced him to play more of a traditional grinder style and when i contrast that to say nils hoglander part of what made him so dynamic and productive offensively was that he was bold and unafraid to try things offensively. How many times did he try and take a defender on one-on-one at the offensive blue line? How many times would he try and thread the needle with a cross-seam pass or, or explode out of a corner and try and make something happen? And there was just, I think, a level of self-confidence and uh, where Hoaglander was really wanting to express his offensive creativity. And I'm curious to see what uh, Pod Colson's kind of play style is going to be. Because with Hoaglander, I mean, he was, I think, generally a high-event player. He'd create a ton of chances. Obviously scored a, he obviously scored a ton of points at 5-on-5. Five five, but he'd also have those turnovers. And, you know, it was chances going both ways. You were kind of trading chances when Hoaglander was on the ice. Whereas I wonder with Pod Colson, and, and I mean, this is one thing I've noticed in watching his tape. He's a guy that never cheats for offense. Like, that's one of yeah. those things where even if you look at you know, I remember talking to Horvat about this a couple of years ago. When he came into the league, he talked about it was just natural tendency as a young player to like bull the zone and and you had to learn the defensive side of the game. Pod Colson's not going to, I think, take those chances. He's going to be more of a conservative, I think, um, lower event type player. So I wonder if he's going to take enough offensive chances to really score a lot and and have enough production in the top six from day one so i do wonder if it's going to take him a little bit of time and opportunity to like you know he may be and i I mean i don't want to speak for him but coming to north american ice maybe he wants to acclimate himself you know get you know kind of find a role and then over time you might see him become more confident and try things offensively yeah because that's something you didn't see at the khl like he like that was coached out of him because like you said if he were to pull that even once it was got like he was benched for sure they always had a 13th forward in the khl waiting for you know to be pod colson's replacement it felt like all of last season and the year before that as well so i it's something that i don't think we're gonna see like you mentioned as much with huglander for sure but it's almost like pod colson's you know odd man rushes and and fast breaks that he gets set up are just set up the right way that's how the way that they came to together in the khl they just 
was a good play by him at the point where he disrupts a pass or just was able to check the defenseman. Loose puck, he's able to get past the guy, and then there's a two-on-one. It's not like he's cheating to get away for a two-on-one hundred percent. And that part's going to help him a lot in the NHL, not only just being an NHL player, but in a coach's eyes. Like That's where it's going to be like Travis Green's going to see a lot of that stuff that, yes, it's been a really bad kind of couple of years watching Pod Colson because of the way that... I don't want to say the way he's been treated, just kind of the way that they've you know reacted to a lot of different things with Pod Coles in the KHL, I'd almost say. But the, in the end, it's probably going to help him the way that he was kind of coached in the KHL because like it's about as extreme level of like being defensively responsible that you can get. And that is going to help him huge coming into the NHL, especially as a young player and what we worry about with young players. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, right? Where, I mean, on the one hand, I didn't like it from the perspective of like when I have a young player like Pod Colson, a top ten pick, I want him to be trying things offensively. Absolutely. You can, you can always. It's like with with a lot of times with young offensive defensemen, you can you can coach the the coach and and kind of teach him to take the risk out of their game. Like I look at Rathbone and the progression he made. Mm-hmm. You watch him at camp and like he just he'd create all these chances and he'd have the raw talent, but he'd also make a ton of mistakes. But by the end of the season, he was so calculated and so smart with picking his spots. Like it was a night and day difference in how polished he was. So the point I'm trying to make is, I mean, I think it'd be ideal if Pod Colson had free reign to do what he wanted and to try things offensively in the KHL. Um, so I don't like that element. Um, and it's obviously through no fault of his own. It's just Scott didn't put him in a good develop development environment. But yeah, the other, other side of the, the other side of the coin is that, yeah, he is going to be uh, respond, a responsible to a play, smart positioning, all those good things. Harmon, it's interesting you bring up Rathbone because we just ran an article on CanucksArmy.com about three key battles in training camp. And basically, we've narrowed it down to the final wing, wing spot in the top six, and the final wing spot in the bottom six, and the third pairing spot. Start with Rathbone and Yolevi. That's basically the battle for the third pairing spot. Or maybe there's a dark horse candidate like Brad Hunt or someone like that you think might be able to take over. But if you're looking at these battles, who are you picking to win each spot? Right now, I think Rathbone has the inside track. And the reason I say that is, I mean, we all saw what he was able to do during his uh, his brief NHL cameo. And he's only going to get better with that experience. And, and to me, when you look at this blue line... I mean, I think with Ole Levy, you more or less know what he is. Mm-hmm. And at that point, and at this point, I think it's, he, he can play in the NHL. Like he's, he, I don't think he's like an AHL caliber defenseman or, any, or anything. But um, I think there's a lot more ups, potential upside in Rathbone's game where he could, he could have a breakout and, um, and from a third pair perspective, really help drive play. And, and maybe it's a situation where, I mean, we'll see who he ends up playing with. I think that'll be really fascinating. But uh, I just think with his dynamic skill set, uh, the puck moving ability, the transition side of the, side of the game, and if he can show the level of two A competency and responsibility that he did at the end of the season, um, like I'd I'd want him to be an everyday NHL player. That's what he looked like at the end of the season. Yes, yeah. And so to me, like he he gets an edge there. The the one element that I think Ulevi is going to have to lean on, and I think. I, I've mentioned this, I think, before on the podcast, maybe on a previous uh, episode, is he he has, I guess, the penalty killing um, uh, uh, utility to this like game. He doesn't, right? At the NHL level, we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just Which depends. Which was strange last year, too. Like, to, to go on your levy for a second there, like, it's strange to me that he wasn't getting any penalty, like, a very limited amount, if, if any. But it's strange to me because that's the part of his game that made the most sense where I thought that was he was like at his best when he's playing stational defense where he's in a spot, doesn't have to defend the rest. When he's actually set up, that's when I think he's the best defender. And I'm kind of surprised we didn't see him on the penalty kill last year. Well, they had some established options. And and I mean, it's, you know, with a lot of these um, young even players. When seeing Nate Schmidt go out there ahead of Yolevi to me was like when the season was at the point where they're not making the playoffs, felt like Yolevi might have been a better option. But see... There. You gotta you gotta remember too, like Travis Green was without, was without a contract. That's true. At that point, he he and I remember like this being a topic of discussion where if it's the end of the season, they're clearly out of it. Like you want you want guys like that to get an opportunity, as you mentioned. But the problem was, if you're Travis Green, you're without a contract. You gotta you still gotta be trying to win hockey games. You you can't um, like you gotta look out for yourself and just 
try and win as many games as you can. So that was why, I mean, ultimately, I guess they should have gotten that contract done a little bit earlier midseason. And, but yeah, I mean, that's the reasoning there. Yeah. Quads, what about you kind of getting back to Pod Colson a little bit? I know that, you know, you got to see him skate a little bit, uh, some videos, some stuff. I think a lot of people got to see everything around, but like I, I'm, I've been bringing this up on the podcast still quite a bit here. And it's like, I, I know he's going to shock people, right? Like I know he's going to shock people. I think he's going to shock people more than, than we can, than a lot of people believe. Like, I've, I still see people out there saying, like, and people tweeting, like, oh, I hope he's not in the AHL. Like, he's not going to be in the AHL. I don't think that's going to be something that's going to happen at all. He's he's making this NHL team. People shouldn't be worried about him going to Abbotsford. I'm in a camp where I'm, like, I'm a 1,000% confident that Pod Colson is going to make a team. But, Quads, what do you think about him kind of coming in here? Uh, is it going to be the impact that I expect? Because, obviously, I've watched a ton of them. I'm very high on him. I'm very hopeful that he does make an impact. I'm pretty confident that he is going to make a big impact, but am I overhyping him too much? I think I, I kind of have to default to you on this one, and I, I agree with you. Like From what I've seen of him, and like Harmon said, the World Juniors and his teammates not being able to finish, look, if he's playing with Bo Horvat or Nils Hoaglander, like he's playing with some finishers, right? Like that's These the are NHL like, caliber players. Even Dickinson and Pearson, if that's where he ends up on a third line, those are NHL guys that can well, finish. Pearson, Pearson can, finish. can finish. Dickinson's still an NHL player. He and is, like, I think yeah. Dickinson has a better finishing ability than the fourth line players he was playing with in Ska. Yeah. Or all the guys that he was sure. playing with on Russia's world junior team. Yeah, that's completely fair. I, Competition level is going to ratchet up a lot, though. That's true, too. But to me, like the thing that was night and day ahead of everyone, like, there was this one clip from the world juniors where Pod Colson was at in his final world juniors where it was like he set up four scoring chances in one shift yeah in like I a 45 that. second shift sets up four quality scoring chances and none of them go in yeah that's, and it's like that's tough if you're doing that dickinson i don't care if he's not a finisher he's gonna bury like a, if he gets those types of scoring chances from good passing he's gonna bury some of them and last thing on pod colton that i want to say at least is right now I think Nils Hoaglander has the inside track on Pod Colson to start on that second line. But if Pod Colson has a strong training camp, I could honestly see him playing the season on Horvat's wing to start. And I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Like, I think you could even give that line some matchups. And I know we talked a lot about Horvat having more offensive freedom because he's not having to play these huge matchup minutes and be the team's like only shut down center. Like they have Dickinson now. They can roll that first, second and third line whenever they want, really. It's going to free them up offensively, and I think Pod Colton's a good enough two-way player to just kind of fit that mold that Travis Green wants of that line. Yeah, and I think going back to like how Huglander came in last year and won that job out of camp on the second line, I think that there's a more likely chance. Like I know that it happened last year that Huglander did do that. Like well, it happened. He was competing against Louis and Jake. Sure, but it also didn't feel like it was actually going to happen. Like yeah, on that's first true. Day of, that's yeah, true. First day of camp, we're like, wow, look at him. Like look at how he was skating, and I think that's going to be the same kind of thing with Pod Colson. But I'm wondering, like, does he have, like, are you on the camp? Because Quaz just said Huglander has the inside track in his eyes. Do you think you agree with that? Do you think Pearson has? Because Pearson's still got to be in the mix as well as a veteran. He is. Who Green is going to trust. Like, how do you kind of rank it? Like, we'll, we'll kind of go around the room here. We'll start with you, Harm. Like, what you think is going to happen coming out as the depth chart for the left side second left winger this is crazy to talk about it's, like what? it's very like I'm, i didn't say that right but it's like okay. the depth chart for, your, for your second line left winger like how do you think it plays out and what do you kind of rank them do you think is going to happen oh uh, well see here's the thing like for me i'd love to see hoaglander um horvat garland yeah. but i don't know if travis green like how he feels about the idea of running two smaller wingers on horvat's flank even though they are um, these high work rate um, players who mix it up in in, in Huglander and uh, in Garland, so it, it's kind of hard to say because there's you, you, we don't know how Green thinks about that. We don't know. We still don't. We honestly still don't really know what Podikos is going to be like. Right. Like we yeah. honestly like we we've we've seen him and we've watched him in the KHL. It's a completely different environment, and like it was the same thing with Huglander, right? We talked uh, about him a ton coming into camp. I didn't expect him to make the team. I didn't expect him to be in the to be in the top six. He just he was a much different player than we saw in the SHL. Absolutely. And so Pod Colson is still very much like he's definitely gonna make the team, but he's still very much an X factor. So I mean, right now, I think because of the size element, I do think Pod Colson 
like when Drance and I did our kind of like mock depth chart, what we thought the team might do, we had Pod Colson on that uh, second line and, and we had Hoglander and Pearson both on the third. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I'm kind of at. One thing I want to float by you guys, though, this is one thing I've been thinking about because I think we've all assumed that Dickinson's going to be the third line center. And I think that's the best move because it allows you to run the lotto line, Miller on the left, first line left wing. But like, when when Dickinson signed and I interviewed Benning, for example, and like each time you talk to anyone within the organization, one of the first things they bring up is Dickinson's versatility and being able to play the wing as well. Mm. And Benning specifically brought up like, hey, Dickinson could be an option next to Petey and Besser. My thought is, and this isn't again, this isn't what I'd want to do, but it's an intriguing other an alternative option to think about. If they indeed, you know, and I know the organization organization thinks that Dickinson has on type of offensive upside. If they go Dickinson, uh, Pedersen, Besser, what if you went with the third line? And, and then the idea would be, okay, we're trying to balance out our, our top nine pretty evenly mm-hmm. rather than, than stack maximum talent on the first two lines. What if you had a third line of Hoglander, Miller, Pod Colson? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a hell of a third line. But how much does that hurt the offense on your first line? I know that's that's why I wouldn't do it. But like that's another like interesting thing, and that's that's why camp's going to be so interesting because they have endless combinations. That line of Miller, Huglander, and Pod Colson matching up against third pairs on defense, like matching against other teams' third lines, would be absolute domination. And like it's it's interesting because I wonder how Dickinson would fit in because like maybe that's some of like if you if Dickinson were to play with with Pedersen and Besser, two of the Canucks' best scorers, it's not like. Where like from you and, and kind of watching Dickinson a little bit and Quads, I know you've seen him a little bit as well, but like the way that Dickinson can help in the offensive zone is gonna be retrieving pucks for those guys. I wonder like how much that hurts that line scoring. It would. Like it would for sure. I, I, want, I want Miller on the on the first mm-hmm. to be very clear, I want Dickinson as my third line center, but, not JT Miller. Just hearing yeah. that Miller pod Coles and Huglander third line. Like, it sounds ridiculous. It's another option. It is, yeah. And, I mean, at least you've got it, right? And I just want to point out, like, how many times in every season that Travis Green's been this team's coach, when they lose a few games, or even if they're, like, not losing a ton, but he just doesn't feel like they're clicking, like, that line blender comes out. And it's going to be a lot more interesting than it was in years past. Like, it's not going to be, oh, man, we're losing this time. Put Brandon Sutter on the first line. Like, no, it's, it's going to be these guys who have this offensive talent and... I have no doubt we're going to see the line that you just outlined with Miller centering a third line. Like I have no doubt we're going to see that at some point this season. I don't know how long it'll last, but again, I think opening night, you have to go back to the lot of line. Like you, you have to go back to the line that was literally the best in the league for a lot of 2019, 20. You got to hope that they're able to find that again. Cause look last year, you look at Pedersen's year started slow for some reason, the bottom six was hot and that was carrying them and the top six just couldn't get going. And then as soon as Patterson got going, like starting to look like the Patterson we all know gets injured. And it's just, you got to hope that he's ready to go right from the start of camp. They can't have this two weeks where nobody's going except for Tyler Mott. So that's what I look at when I look at this team and like what they need to start this year. You need the lotto line clicking on all cylinders. And I really think training camp and a full preseason is going to really help that. Right. I think uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Lots to talk about the top nine. I wouldn't mind kind of dabbling into the fourth line a little bit, maybe in the second half of the episode. We're also going to get into our poll question where uh, we're going to talk about which player you're most excited for uh, to watch at training camp. Uh, and then we'll kind of just do a little bit on the uh, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes deals. I projected, I predicted on the show on the midweek episode that the deal would be done by Friday. It's Friday right now. It's not late in the day yet. Haven't heard a deal anything yet. You'll be listening to this on Saturday or Sunday, whenever you get around to it. Uh, but we'll discuss some of that on the other side. So we'll throw to a quick break and we'll see you guys on the other side of the episode. All right, folks, you know what time it is. We are here to talk about our favorite beer sponsor, Parallel 49 Beer. One of the go-tos quads. You can find this one at most restaurants too. A lot of restaurants. I've yes. been seeing it around the Trash Panda. Simple, one of the longest standing beers from Parallel 49. Highly recommend going out to try it. Not just the beers, though, but the patio quads. The patio at 1950 Triumph Street. Tell the folks about some food and the the sweet little drinks on the side that I know you like. So the Muddler's Pink Lemonade is my go-to. But man, the food there. Cheeseburgers, chicken burger. The spicy chicken burger was fantastic. Sub the pickles, right? Get the pickles instead of uh, jalapenos. 
poutine I had fantastic i got some green onion in there and it's nice and melted the worst thing about a bad like what makes a poutine bad is when the cheese is not melted this one it's melted and it's very very good so go down check that out the poutine the burger the spicy chicken sandwich what was that last thing we got the, we got some wings the as wings, well. wings the korean barbecue wings. but they're also putting a roof over there they're working on it for the fall so it's not oh. just going to be the patio we got rained out the other day trying we to did. go to parallel 49 but they're putting a roof over it uh the beers are always fresh so many different beers on tap there so go out and try some parallel 49 beer you can get it at every liquor store you can find and also get on the 1950 triumph street to check out the street kitchen folks summer might be over but the time to drink squish is never over this drink is taking its way into the fall into the winter and this is the perfect beverage for everyone it's not one of those zero calorie drinks that has no flavor and just tastes like tonic water these ones have some flavor folks squish beverage you can find it all over bc liquor stores but i'm telling you you got to do a little bit of digging you got to go to some private liquor stores if you find it tweet at us about it because other listeners want to know where they can find the squish lemonade comes in a variety of flavors my favorite Squish lemonade, passion fruit, or squish lemonade, pineapple. Kind of lean towards pineapple most of the time. So go out and find squish at your local BC liquor stores or do some of that digging and find the squish lemonades at private liquor stores across British Columbia. All right. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors of the Canucks Conversation podcast. We have a new sponsor to announce sponsoring the no longer called the Your Business Here poll question. We now have a business who's there. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll get it too. Blue Orca Sports Memorabilia coming on board to sponsor the poll question. We signed another deal with them. I think uh, a little bit shorter term than Harms actually on the contract. Yes. But excited for this one. The poll question brought to you by Blue Orca Sports Memorabilia. I'm going to have struggles with that. I already have a feeling about oh, it. Jeez. Uh, it's not going to be good. But you can follow them on Twitter at FuelTheFan underscore CA. Uh, and in all of our poll questions, we'll include a link to the shop, which can be found on Facebook. A lot of fun stuff on there. Signed Horvat pictures I've seen a couple of Yeah, there. they got a Demko one of him with the you know spaghetti like? plate jersey. You know what I like in there? The signed Pavel Bure card he's got on the site, too. Ooh, That's nice. a nice little one. If you're a sports fan out there, good yeah. collection. So go check him out. Poll question. Let's hear it. First of all, I got to talk about my cards a little bit before because I didn't oh, talk boy. about off the top of Zephyr. You know how many more Jack Rathbone cards I got in the mail coming oh, no. here soon? How many? Oh, I got. So I think I won like yesterday. A bunch of my bidding like wars on eBay went like down to the limit. All of these were finishing at like 2 a.m. So I'm up late. I'm bouncing between like different eBay sites. And like I had all these tabs open from each of them checking if I was getting outbid. <laughs> but I ended up cleaning up last night. I got six more Rathbone cards coming just last night. Wow. Yeah, now you can so... go, go get them all signed. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend show, of the show up to training camp. Be like, hey, Jack. Jack, yeah, I got that. Uh, is so frowned upon. You have you seen the last dance? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Okay, so there's a scene in the last dance where this like, like I think he was like a sound tech or something at some Michael Jordan event. Like he was working and he like tried to get Jordan to sign something and he just like looked at him and then like security <laughs> was like, no man, you can't do that here. He's like, he's like, please, and like they were like, nope, you can't do that. That is so. So frowned that's, upon. That's one signature. I'm going to show up with 95 <laughs> Jack Rathbone rookie cards. <laughs> oh my signed. gosh! Try I'll be I'll be running Blue Orca memorabilia. Try, in try and call in a favor with C Mac. Be like C Mac. Remember that shift I took? Yeah. Uh, give me give me Rathbone for a signing session, and yeah, all the that, cards are mine. That one flat wing I gave you at uh, <laughs> your going away party. Yeah, no, there you I, go. Okay, let's get into the poll question though. <laughs> it's a good poll question, I think, uh, and. I, I actually really uh, I disagree with all the people, not everyone, but the majority <laughs> of people voting in this. I'm in the camp of being on the complete opposite. Uh, so the poll question, we'll just ask it straight up. And, and Har, maybe we'll start with you to get your answer. Uh, who are you most excited to watch at training camp? Connor Garland, Danila Klimovich, Oliver Ekman Larson, or I'm angry. Harm, you look like an angry man. Are you in the angry <laughs> camp or which of these three are you excited for the most? I mean, I'm surprised Pod Colson was in a... Well, I wanted to make it balanced. Yeah. Would have run yeah, away that's, true, that's true. That's <laughs> true. I, I think he's the obvious one. I guess yeah. you could say, aside from him, for me. Okay, so there are two kind of routes, two players that I'm kind of interested to watch. Number one is Rathbone. Like I want to see where you're he's going at. off the pole already. Right off the bat, Garland, <laughs> Klimovich. I can't Ekman pick. Lars. I have to no. pick one of the three. You can say you're angry if you want to go with Rathbone. No, no, no. I, I Listen, can't go off the board. You oh. can, you can go off the board because I'm going to as well. What the but, hell is going okay, on here? Shitty. <laughs> shit. Oh, we're not supposed to swear. <laughs> bad options. It. Bad options from Chris. No, 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 don't worry. The the second one I was thinking was OEL anyway because not because I'm excited to see him, but he's. 
the most intriguing in the sense that he's the X factor for this season, for mm-hmm. this blue line of whether they're going to be competent or not and whether he can bounce back. And that carries massive ramifications, not only for this campaign, but long-term with mm-hmm. respect to his contract. And obviously camp itself and preseason is not going to dictate. It's not like you're going to see him at camp and preseason and be like, oh yeah, that's OEL's back, or you're not going <laughs> to be able to write him off one way or another. But He's the, again, he's the biggest X factor, and it really matters a lot given how much he's paid over the long term of this contract. So seeing if he's in a position to bounce back um, and seeing where his skating's at, and, and I think those elements are going to be really interesting to watch for. Yeah, and kind of including it yours would be some preseason, I guess, too, right? Like training yeah. camp's one thing, but also preseason, I think, is what you're kind of hinting at yeah. a little bit more, just seeing how he kind of matches up. But Quad, do you... Yeah, apparently you make the rules. You can go off the board if you want, apparently. Aren't you the Oh, my gosh. Okay, here we go. I'm just joking. No, honestly, <laughs> like, I am really excited to see Mikey DiPietro. Um, I know it's cliche that I'm picking him, but man, full season with Ian Clark, like he's going to get a preseason game in. And this guy, I've talked to him. He feels he's NHL ready. I've talked to Curtis Sanford. I've talked to Ian Clark and they're like, we're not going to say he's not like, how could you ever doubt this kid after everything he's shown and all the improvements he's been able to make on the fly? By the way, I've got something to add to the prospect report when we get there. Um, similar to the conversation that I'm talking about right now, yeah. but yes, we all can't wait to hear about Cuscanbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, a friend of the show, Yerky21, told us how to pronounce it. Koskenvo. Yeah. You know what? I was going to clip the audio, and like every time we're about <laughs> to say it, we just press our hotkey button. button and let the the Google Translate or whatever, the, yeah. the Google Speech or whatever it's Koskenvo. called. Koskenvo. Yeah. yeah. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. The, Disto didn't give us any crap on nope, uh, Twitter. Disto which didn't, is good. which is always appreciated when Disto doesn't <laughs> give us crap. Yeah. He, he's great. He always replies to our articles and everything, but I'm going off the board here. I'm going off the board. Um, yeah. yeah, Mikey DiPietro. Out of the poll question ones, I'm going to say Klimovich. Like, I'm really excited to see Klimovich because, man, was not expecting him to get signed, first of all. Like, I that was a surprise to me when they signed him. So, for him to come to training camp and look, like, I know all the people that actually watch him say he's not NHL ready and all this stuff, but, man, I, I want to see it myself. Like, I, I want to see where he's at, right? Like, you know, prior to the U18s, there really wasn't much for him. Like, you just wrote an article about it that I edited, and... You know, you were talking about how he was going to go in the fourth or seventh round, probably. And then he's a huge U18s, and his draft stock improves greatly. I'll be really interested to see where draft he's stock at. And Jim Benning's eyes improves greatly. We know Jim Benning and his tournaments well, when he sees him in person. JD, JD was talking about yeah, and no, like, yeah. the way that I wrote in the article was, you know, probably before the U18s, he goes between the fourth and seventh. But because of the U18s, gets him in a second round. He didn't jump all the way up to a first round pick. But he yeah. jumped into being, you know, a mid, like middling second round pick. So I think yeah. that's. But you know what? Like, just to go off yours, I'm also picking Klimovich here, who actually, like, out of the players, and this is actually the least angry I've ever seen the 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 poll. By the way, only five percent of people I'm angry. That's hmm. really good for for Canucks uh, Twitter poll there. So we're happy with that. But Klimovich is is the lowest out of the players. And that's the guy that I'm most excited to see. Like Garland's running away with this, and I'm surprised that none of us brought him up because you know that's a guy who's going to jump into the top six. And I think that's kind of why we look away know from he's it. Good. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. we know what he's going to kind of be, where he's going to fit. Like everybody is, you know, not only put him in pencil, but put him in, you know, permanent marker as the right wing uh, with Bo Horvat on the second line. To me, it's Klimovich too. Like I, I, the stuff that I saw him doing this summer in those KHL exhibition games was, you know, there was one against like a men's league. So like he was really skating circles around those guys, but then the KHL exhibition against the other KHL team, like, he looked like one of the better players. He played 19 minutes and 53 seconds in that game for a KHL team, and he looked like he could really skate. So I'm I'm curious to see how he stacks up compared to NHL competition. And the other thing, and kind of the Harmon's point about seeing OEL in a preseason game, if we get Klimovich in a preseason game or two, you know, before he gets sent down and you know sent out of camp, which will happen some point during the preseason, if he's able to get into a preseason game or two, I'm not sure. Maybe Harmon, you can correct me if like the rosters have to be changed at all going into preseason. But I don't think they have to cut guys between training camp and preseason. I'd love to see Klimovich get just a go in a fourth line role, ten minutes of ice time in a preseason game. I'd love to see that. Yeah, no, definitely wouldn't mind it. I think. Um I think the team is definitely expecting him. And I know there's been kind of a question of, okay, if not, like if not Europe, where is he, where is he going to play? And I think um, definitely, you know, when I talked to Jim for our uh, prospects kind of ranking at the athletic, he was saying, yeah, Klimovich is probably going to the queue, uh, which would be good for him. I, I like, I was thinking about Abbotsford 
And that team is just going to be such a juggernaut. And yeah. when you have a young prospect like Klimovich, you want him to just play as much as possible. Well, get first unit power play. Get yeah. play play top line minutes. So for him to get that opportunity in the queue, like let him tear the league up. You know, that's what I was saying. Like you don't want him on a juggernaut team. You want him to be the juggernaut. Honestly. Exactly. And that's what he will look like. That's the thing that I've been kind of curious about. Neither of you guys can jump in on this here, but like with Klimovich, like I'm expecting him to be the first line guy. Uh, you know, on the Huskies in the QMJHL. I'm, I'm not good at pronouncing the, the city name yet, so I'm just going to call him the Huskies. Uh, but you know, when he gets to the Huskies, I'm expecting him to be a first-line guy, power play guy, getting all these time. Am I wrong thinking that, that that's going to happen? Either of you guys want to step in here? Like, I mean, I don't know the the Huskies' depth chart like the back yeah, of my head. I was going to say, but they're, they're, good, here. they're a good Q team. I'd ima- I mean, hey, I mean, he's a second-round pick, and he could have played pro. So I, I would imagine that, I mean... Whether it's top line, whether it's second line, I mean, I expect him to to earn uh, earn a big opportunity. And I know if that wouldn't have been available, Canucks would have probably thought of alternative options because, I mean, they could have sent him to Europe. They yeah. could have, I mean, so they could have loaned him pretty much anywhere in Europe. So yeah. I think they'll only send him there. I'm expecting him to be a top guy. Like, I'm expecting he will him be. to be a yeah. top. He should be. I don't think he'll be top 10 in scoring in the queue, but I'd... I'm pretty confident saying he'll be a top 50 scorer in the QMJHL, probably top 30, I think. With his skill set, his body size, and the things that he does well seem to really fit into you know a CHL game. Can you name five other QMJHL scorers? Because I can't. Like I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just saying well, like, after, I definitely I, can't. I probably could have two years ago, <laughs> but after the season that they had, I, yeah. I, I don't know any yeah. of the Q. That, but you know, I know that there's going to be... There's going to be some guys in there that are going to be draft eligible. It's going to be guys that were just drafted in, you know, in the top 60 of this past draft that are going to be going back to the queue mm. and other imports as well. Like I was just talking to Fabian Lucell uh, about Vancouver and he was very excited. Like if, if Vancouver was where he's coming, like he knows it's a beautiful city. He might be playing on the Giants with uh, he's going to be playing with Sordiff and Ostopchuk, I believe is how you say his name, like two top 100 picks in the draft. Mm. That's a hell of a line in the CHL for the Giants next year. So if Lucell gets over here, that would be a lot of fun too. friend of the show. Lucell uh, came on before the draft there. But that's the thing. Like if if he goes to the queue, I'm expecting like I'm expecting a lot of points, a lot of goals and a lot of highlights to come out of him for this year. And I don't think and I think it would be a letdown to not have that. Right. Like that's the camp that I'm in. If he doesn't rip up the QMJHL, that's a letdown. Like I'm expecting dominance from him. 100%. Like I don't think I'm wrong with that. Like thinking that. And and that's the thing that's like I don't I don't want to get my expectations too high. But for him going to the QMJHL, Klimovich should rip it up. Yeah. And it's interesting because like with Klimovich, the the question mark is what version of him is most representative of his future outlook in terms of he had the fantastic U18 tournament. But if you look at um, his regular league play and you talk to some other scouts, it, it wasn't, he wasn't a standout there. I mean, you look at the point totals and it's just like they leap off the page. He was like one and a half points per game uh, or, or something along those lines. But um, one scout for another team brought up the example of one of his teammates, and I'm going to completely butcher his name, but uh, Danil Stepanov, something along those lines. I think he outscored Klimovich. He's two years older. and um, But the year prior, this guy had nine points in 45 WHL games, the Stepanov guy. Mm. And, the, and, and, and so the point the scout was trying to make was, okay, if he... If he if he's not really if if this guy wasn't even a factor in the WHL comes up into the Belarusian league and he's almost scoring two points a game like that tells you something about the level of competition in Belarus right that's so the with, second league Klimovich was in two last year yeah, yeah and second so league in Belarus yeah and so with Klimovich again had the fantastic U eighteen tournament it's going to be really fascinating to see where exactly he stacks up against um, against kind of the CHL type competition, which I think is better than if he had went to Europe and, and made a leap to the KHL because that would have been such a substantial jump in, yeah. in competition. Yeah, and 16th in scoring in the Belarusian second league. I just had to look it up here. Um, and yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, But the thing that goes in his, I guess, on his side was like watching the tape against Canada. Watching Klimovich, you know, have rushes against Canada where he was deking through Canadian defenders, going to the net hard, getting shots off. And, you know, yeah, he showed up with all the goals in the other games. Like it was Latvia, I think they played against where he had the hat trick. Um, and then was it Denmark? He had two goals against them as well. So like he scored against the weaker teams, but it's not like Belarus was going to have a great shot of being Canada at the U18s. But he showed up well. 
Him and his line mate, I forget the other guy who went drafted. Uh, he was like in a fourth round pick, I believe. His line mate at the U18s both looked great um, for Belarus, but that was kind of it. And the fact that he was able to, you know, hold his own against Canada was kind of the thing that that I was excited from the U18s. Obviously, the goals came and they were great too. But I want, like, yeah, like that's the only thing is like it would be a letdown for him to go to the yeah. queue and not be one of, if not the best player on that team. I think coming after, you know, because he's a guy who was now drafted. He's coming back after his draft plus one year. You got to expect that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm taking another conversation. I'm moving it to. Well, uh, let me wrap. I just want to do the quick, uh, quick results of the poll question where we're at. Right oh, yeah. Now. I forgot we had because that. Go a ahead. lot of people pick Connor Garland. Yeah. 55% of people went with Connor Garland. That was the one, the poll. I mean, it's still going on right now because, you know, well, we, I tweeted this out in the morning. You did. You did. We didn't do this in the break like yep. we sometimes do. Yep. Uh, OEL got 21% of the vote. Klimovich got 19% of the vote. And I'm angry. Like I said, 5% of the vote. Anything surprise you there on uh, the poll? Under 9% for I'm angry is is surprising. I think this might be the first time we're in single digits for I'm angry. Yeah, I think you're right. People are getting excited for the the training camp here. Yeah, and how could you not? Like, man, I get it. Like, I get that the team kicked the can down the road. I get all that. But, man... Like, if I told you at the start of the offseason that they'd be able to get rid of Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and Antoine Roussel, and bring Brandon Sutter back on a very fine contract, and add a top six winger and a middle, or sorry, middle six, a third line center, like, you wouldn't, you would be doing backflips. Like, I get they had to take on OEL to do that, but man, like, at their core, the team is better now. So if you're if you're a fan, how can you not be excited about yeah. that? Yeah, I know. Just as like a regular fan who watches the Canucks and wants them to do well, you got to be jacked up. About yeah. What they did this if you if you're like if you become a fan when the buses start saying "Go Canucks, go," that's fine. Yeah. Like you're excited about this. Yeah. If you're you know very hardcore and you know about contracts yeah. and, and Luke, it's a little different. You know, and and knowing that Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, how much money he makes, then you might be a little worried. But hey, Canucks fans, people listening to this podcast, just have fun next yeah, we've year. Got a, we've all got a wide range it. of people that yeah. listen to the podcast. Yeah. So. There you go. All right, where do you want to go, Quads? You, you jump on UBC. In here. We're going to UBC. Uh, yeah, I'm going to UBC on Monday and Tuesday. You are. That's very exciting. I might take long for that actually. But regardless, Ian Clark out on the ice two days ago with Pod Colson. Uh, Demko was there. I'm zeroing in on Demko here. Big Gadjevich. surprise. Gadjevich, sure, whatever. Um, this is from someone who is there. He's man, someone who is there. Gadjevich is like the first Canuck to get back to Vancouver here. Good for him. Might be an outs for Canuck, though, but still. That's great. That's okay. That's okay. We like Gadrich, friend of the show. Yeah. But Thatcher Demko, from a source that I trust, looks like he's in mid-season form. Details look mid-season sharp. He's very explosive on his lateral movement, whether that's into controlled saves or the pure battle drills that Clark likes to make sure are included in practices. He looks really good. I'm excited to go see him myself, but this is from someone who is there. Watching him, yeah. This I wonder who else. (laughs) I wonder who was there that is really good at watching goaltenders. This is the guy who's got Pod Colson like off the video here while he's zooming in on Martin (laughs) Jones's freaking pads. Probably the same guy. Yeah, friend of the show, friend of the show. But yes, that is uh, friend of half the show. Half the show. Two thirds. Two thirds. Harvin likes it too. There you go. Uh, Yeah. So uh, that's my little report there. The picture that I cropped uh, from. So. I crop, I'll say, I'll show you this after arm, but I uh, I took a I took the picture of us like in that we had at the end of our announcement video of you coming on of us sitting in the car and there was one where Quads and I are both smiling and then there's one where we're both sad. Then I cropped Kevin Woodley's face onto yours for the sad part. <laughs> so I'm saving that for a tweet. Save that to get Woodley. I know we won't listen to this, so he'll oh, just get man. it in a tweet form here pretty soon. I'm gonna get a text where he'll be like, "Hey, tell Faber I listened to your podcast." I don't know if he does. I don't think he <laughs> I does. I don't think he does. Maybe listen to the episode. Woodley doesn't listen on. to this, and I'll tell you what. I'm staying as far away from in goal <laughs> podcasts as I can. <laughs> wow. Okay. You want to close out with a prospect report? Or do we have anything they else to get to? They do a great job over the in goal, though. I know they yeah, do. I just they have do. no respect for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay you, but they you, do a great job over there they do a great job i just have no respect for yeah. it okay quick little prospects report uh and then i let don't me, know maybe let we'll, me just kick it off i got i got the prospect the? report you're like hey go ahead do a prospect <laughs> yeah. report let me kick it off i'll, I'll drive the bus here right, go ahead so spoke with ian clark and a big surprise i spoke with ian clark i spoke with ian clark and aku koskenvo our friend of the show uh, Aku Koskenvo spoke to them both two days ago. Story is coming soon on Canucks Army. My power went out while I was interviewing Ian, and I lost half the recording, uh, which kind of sucked. But uh, I will have a story coming soon. Basically, I'm answering the question that people were asking before, because, you know, Aku comes into the Four Nations tournament, looks great. 
has his two two shutouts in his first games in the Finnish league. People are like, wow, like did he make these changes over the phone? I have the answer. Two sessions over Zoom where Ian Clark worked with Aku Koskenbo, showed him video of NHL goaltenders, and you know, thoroughly explained things in true Ian Clark fashion, thoroughly explained everything, and Aku made the changes right away. That's a really good sign. And this is something that when I talk about Mikey DiPietro and we talk about the work ethic and the will to change things and just trust his coaching, that's something that it looks early on that a coup has. And I was talking to Ian and he was saying this is a very intelligent individual, you know, that's proof positive in him going to Harvard and everything there. Um, but this is somebody that's asking the right questions and really wants to make the improvements. Now, when I was talking to a coup, I basically said, like, so so what have the main changes been? And he's like, really, it's been nothing huge. It's just been controlled movement, you know, how to move efficiently in the crease. And it's just little stuff. Like, we didn't even talk about hands. When I talked to a coup about the calls, and like, yeah, I still have to talk to Ian a little more about it because, again, conversation got dropped because uh, of the power outage. But, uh, like, we didn't really talk about hands much. A lot of it was just movement and moving efficiently and, you know, how to let the game come to you. And that was something that Aku, and this is very evident in his play at the U18s last year, was just too ahead of the play. Like, not... He wasn't, like, jumpy, but he just wasn't letting it come to him. And this is something that Jacob Markstrom really struggled with before he started getting coached by Ian Clark, was just not letting the play come to him. Like, he was he was trying to be a step ahead. And you need to be a step ahead, but there's a fine line that you have to make sure you don't cross where you're, you know, trying to predict things that aren't going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you need to let the play come to you at the end of the day. And I think Aku said that was the big thing that he's working on, and he's going to continue working on with Ian. The, the thing that you didn't bring up there was what you said, like Aku said about working with Clark. Didn't you say like the way that yeah, he, so, just the little things? Because you got the interview done with, with Aku. Yeah. So so I talked to Aku and I said, like, was there anything, you know, that Ian said that kind of surprised you? And he's like, no, like a lot of it was things that have been explained to me before. They just haven't been explained that thoroughly and explained that well with video of NHL goaltenders. Like he'll show him videos of other NHL goaltenders and say, look at this. And like, you know, this is what they did with Mikey DiPietro in the chest angle, which I've talked about so much is, you know, they just showed him video of NHL goaltenders and they showed him Jonathan Quick, right? Because that's another undersized goaltender. Um, and they were like, look at his chest angle and now look at yours. And DiPietro made that change like that. Like it was just instant for him. And with a coup, it's more or less the same. Like they're showing him video and they're explaining why they're doing that. And that's something that even Curtis Sanford, Dan Cloutier was really good with this as well. Uh, and obviously Ian Clark, two guys, he coached both of those guys. Uh, they're really good at explaining why we're doing things. It's not just make this change, do this. It's make this change. This is why we're doing it. And if you do it, you will find this success. Right. And you know, to kind of just go off this, we'll do a little bit of goalie talk, bring you in for a little bit of it, Harm. We're not spending much more time on this, though. <laughs> but Harm, uh, what are your expectations for Mikey DiPietro next year? Like, obviously, I'm not, I don't think anyone's going to think he's going to make the NHL, you know, out of camp or Except anything. Except for me. Except for quads. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I was going to say, poor, poor C-loves. Quads, like, took him to the park and then just left him there. Hey, man, he's he, going to play in the ECHL. No, he's going to get a lot of starts. Right. Well, he cost your guy now. You barely even talk about C-loves anymore. Anyways. <laughs> Any Harm. goaltender that's affiliated with the Canucks organization. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. It's bad. Talk about favorable coverage. That's a, that's what Quads is doing. All right, but Mikey DiPietro Harm, ex- expectations for him after a really strange year, obviously, last year. What are you kind of expecting from him in the AHL? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a really good habits for team, and he's going to get the bulk of the starts. And with that kind of being the case, I think he's going to have a – I think – I expect him to have a strong season. I mean, you even look at his first uh, AHL campaign, or first and only. Uh, he was the youngest goalie in the league that year. And that Utica team, and, and you'll know more about this than me, they were okay. They weren't great. Um, this Abbotsford team is, I think, much improved in terms of the quality of the play. So the team in front of him is going to hopefully be better. The defensive environment, all of those qualities. So I think it's going to be a good position for him to be to play in front of a good team to be close to Rogers arena, be close to the the main team. 
and just get a ton of game reps in and and, and get back up to speed and, and back into a rhythm and flow uh, with respect to game action because he, if he has a good season in the AHL uh, this time around, he already knows that Halak's contract's up and the expectation is the team thinks that he can be a backup, um, not this coming season, but the year after that. That was the initial plan. When they signed Braden Holpe uh, to that two-year deal was... We'll have Hopi for two years, and then if things go well with DiPietro and he continues progressing the AHL, then he'll hopefully be ready to graduate and back up for Demko. Yeah, two two quick ones here. Um, C loves. Do you believe he goes to the ECHL? I think that I, I think that that that's that, that's the plan. I think that's yeah. Yeah, Spencer Martin will be backing up in the AHL then. Uh, yes. And second one, I guess both of you guys can do this because well, I don't know how this is turning into goalie talk so fast. But <laughs> what? What's your confidence level if an injury happens to Demko or to Halak that DiPietro can come up and, and just be a backup? You know, uh, I'm confident. Play yeah, three, I'm, four games a month. I'm confident. I'm I'm very confident in Mikey DiPietro. And look, like in talking to him, he said like he, he wants to make it clear he's not nine he's not a nineteen year old kid that got shelled for seven goals against San Jose. Like he was not expecting to play in that game. Like he had hardly gotten coached by Ian at that point. He like, got in like the night before too. Yeah, and go watch the highlights of that game. You remember this chest angle thing I'm talking about? The guy looks like Esposito in the neck. He's like, you can't see his crest of his jersey because he's bent over so much and he's got this weird... Yeah, anyway. And he was let out to dry anyway. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah there's... Yeah, exactly. And then... So, so the reason I'm confident is not only has he had this huge season in the AHL, Remember those eight minutes he played against Vegas? I was at that game. He looked good. Like, he legitimately looked good in the crease in that game. Like, he, like, I, I don't know how else to say it. Like, he was good in that game. He was a solid, like, he was solid in the net. He was just fine. And now he's at a full season working with Ian. He's going to go down to Abbotsford, start to get to apply all that stuff. And don't forget, he did play some games in Utica last year. He looked great in those games. He looked awesome. Yeah, so, and I guess to reframe my question a little bit, yeah. because last year was such a weird one where he had to work with Ian Clark so much, only got a few games in there in the in Utica. Does last year raise your confidence level that much? Like, Because, Carm, when I asked that question, you were bang on. You're saying, no, I'm confident. Is is that to do with maybe all the work that he had last year or just from the rookie season in the AHL? It's just the rookie season and more the faith that I have in, in his character. And... Yeah. And in the way he's driven and most goalies, if you were to put them through what Di Pietro went through last year in terms of not playing and, and, and it would, it would be tough mentally, I think. But Di Pietro to me is the type of quick study that, I mean, if anyone's mentally strong enough to overcome that, it, it would be him. So it's not necessarily because of he worked with Ian Clark last year, because I think the lack of game action kind of, I don't want to say offset that because it didn't, but um, it, it, it's not anytime a positive. You miss, yeah, anytime you miss game action, it's not a good thing. So, yeah. I mean, I see that like it, it's not really a factor either way. I'm just confident in in his AHL track record, what he showed before, and then confident in in him as as a person and and as an athlete and, and the way he's driven. Right. I, I just it's I'm wondering how much he's improved. Like that's a big thing for me because watching him in the AHL look, you know, a lot of games he looked really good, and it really changed kind of at the halfway point to me in that rookie AHL season. Was honestly the weird thing was what it was after that weekend that he took off and worked with Ian Clark that whole weekend when Ian Clark went over to Utica. Like it, things really looked different in yeah. his game the rest of the year after that. So that's like to think that he had all that time with Ian Clark. I wonder how much he's actually just improved. But like you said, game action is game action. You can't fake that no matter what you do. Um, so we'll wrap it up there. Quad, are you happy? Are you happy with all this goalie talk? You've Absolutely. I've never talked so much about goalies in my life. Welcome See? to the show, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the damn show. Uh, all right. Uh, quick little prospects thing here. I spoke with uh, Dimitri Zlodiev this morning. Very early this morning for me. Uh, not early for him since it's uh, Russia time. But people have been wondering, is he going to start in the MHL, which is the junior league in Russia? That's where he played a lot of his games last year. Um, he did play some preseason games there. They were short on numbers, and they also wanted to get some of the young guys good opportunity to get a lot of minutes. So that's why he's been playing in there. But according to him, he will be starting in the VHL, and he's still hoping that he can work his way up to the KHL You know, sometime before World Juniors, which will be a big uh, another big event for Zlodiev, who should be 
you know, pretty close to a lock to make that Russia team uh, and, and play some decent minutes for them. And then the final thing, we, we talked about him a lot in the poll question, but Klimovich also arrived uh, in Vancouver on Thursday night. So good to get him in town. I wonder, that's why I'm kind of hoping that I can get out to these skates on Monday and Tuesday. Should be able to get out to UBC. Hopefully I can get the timing right. Talk to the right people who know when I got to get down there uh, and then uh, see what he kind of looks like on the ice as well. Because now he's in town. He's got a weekend to get settled in and I expect to see him at some practices next week as well. Chris, maybe live podcast from UBC Tuesday. Maybe. Might have to do that. Sure. I'm liking that idea. Okay. We've been talking about these live podcasts. We're, yeah. we're all confident in it. I hope everything goes off without a hitch because we got Harm now. He's going to join us at training camp yeah. for a few episodes as oh, well. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited for this season. I just like, man, I like I said, did I say to the start of this episode, I'm just like real excited. Like, thank you to everyone who's been listening yep. and like keeping up with this show because like, man, we've had, uh, you know, I think like we have a lot of fun, but man, we've had some bad hockey podcasts <laughs> over the summer. Like we've had yeah. some like really bad hockey shows. Remember the Ocean Facts episode? Yeah. Like oh, well, we had some, some, we bad had some ones other ones. We too, had some yeah. fun, like. We, we, had, like we have a lot of fun here, yeah. but not good hockey podcasts. No. That's why we signed Harm. That's why yeah. we brought Harm in here to, to crank Keep up us the in hockey check. talk a little bit. If we start going too off the rails, Harm's going <laughs> to crack the whip over there. Uh, but uh, first kind of run through after the signing, Harm, how are you feeling? What are you feeling about the deal? It feels great. Yeah. Feels uh, feels good. <laughs> feels just it. as seamless as it was before. Always a ton of fun. Yeah. Made it through a, a Patreon episode. You got to see some technical difficulties firsthand as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're full on into it. You want to close out the episode? Tell people thanks for listening, all that stuff? I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> hey, man, you're new to the show. You pick. You do it however you see fit. All right, Canucks fans. Thank you so much for listening. We'll uh, catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.